Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. And man, it was an ugly game on Saturday. Gavin, the Knicks lose 99 to 75 on the road in Boston. All that, it was like if, if the RJ Barrett game winner was a balloon full of helium, this game was just a big old needle right to it to pop all of our enthusiasm. Yeah, Emmanuel quickly maintained the Helium Act for a bit. I would say actually through four quarters, he was spectacular, so we'll focus on that. Julius Randle, an incredible start, a dastardly finish. Obi Toppin in a bad way at the moment. What are the implications of that? And so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. And we are, of course, available on all your favorite podcasting platforms and now YouTube. So if you wouldn't mind heading over to YouTube, drop us a subscription, maybe like a video or two. That helps us out a ton, even if you still plan on just listening through uh, the the audio uh, sources of, of listening to us. At any rate, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, getting ready for the Hoop Hall tournament, the big high school basketball tournament. Uh, at the at, It's at the Basketball Hall of Fame, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah big time. Big time stuff uh, coming up this weekend. But not so big time, not so fun stuff was the Knicks over this weekend, 99-75. to They lose to Boston on the road, of course. Mentioned in the intro, you know, we come off this high of the R.J. Barrett game winner. You think, all right, it's time. The Knicks are ready. You know, they, they've uh, they've kind of had Boston's number a little bit this year, especially with Fournier, blah, blah, blah. You know, like game winner. Now they're going on the road. Chance to get back to 500. It's all good. They're going to get it. And then maybe the, the, the harbinger of doom that we should have seen was that Fournier got ruled out before the game. So maybe once that happened, we should just let all hope go away because our – our Michael Jordan was gone for the game. Um, but, you know, the Knicks, they came out, they played a good, pretty good first quarter and then just completely fell apart uh, down the stretch of this game. You know, still fairly close by halftime, and they probably didn't have as much a business of it being only within about two points of halftime as they, as you know, they had. But, you know, they, it, it winds up just completely going off the rails in the third quarter, which, you know, stop me if you've heard that one before. And the Knicks lose. Uh, they put up the lowest amount of points since 2018. Uh, it was like a lineup that was featuring, I think, like Trey Burke, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Lance Thomas, and a few other your favorites. AKA the in, uh, 2022 Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So the, the 2022 Dallas Mavericks, minus, I think, Porzingis and uh, Luca. Yeah, um, I guess that would hurt you. <laughs> at, at that particular point. Yeah. Um, yeah, they end up 
you know, putting up the lowest point total that they have in, in almost four years. Uh, so Gavin, this was terrible. Um, what, I don't know, where do you want to start with this crap fest? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually, I, it, I didn't, it didn't leave me all that pessimistic, honestly. Like I, I don't want to say I expected this, like I, I was hoping for a closer game, but I was sort of, I just felt myself clenching that whole first quarter, right? When the Knicks came out, I mean, Julius Randle in particular, we'll get into it either at the end of this first segment or beginning of the second segment, um, was playing exceptionally well. And, and to me, like the fact that after what I thought was essentially a perfect first quarter to basketball, the Knicks were only up five that left me just a little queasy. And I was thinking, oh, how long are they going to maintain this? Uh, is, is this sustainable? And it turns out it was not the Celtics in all four games against the Knicks this year have just shot the lights out. And that obviously continued in this one where they were just raining fire. Jason Tatum was his usual ridiculous self. Jalen Brown finished with a triple double. I think Josh Richardson is shooting something like 70% from three this year against the New York Knicks. Time Lord uh, was, was absolutely dominant around the basket, just altering shot after shot after shot. In some ways, I know we, we've, we've really like moaned and, and complained a whole lot about this next season. I would be so much more pessimistic if I was a Celtics fan who's watching this game. All I could think is, God, they have so much more talent than the Knicks, and they somehow have the same record. And we as Knicks fans are so disappointed in our year. They just have to be heartbroken that this team is not doing any better. And that being said, the Knicks were obviously missing Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose. Second night of a back-to-back, the Celtics had every right to be angry after blowing a 25-point lead, seemingly sending it to overtime, and then R.J. Barrett hitting the shot of the century to send them home. And I think the Knicks were, and this is this is sort of the story of the 2021-2022 New York Knicks, Alex. They were, they were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit, and they were content with what they had last night, uh, or excuse me, the other night against the Celtics, and brought it for a quarter, and then lost that energy. And Tibbs had some quote, I think going into the fourth quarter of the Celtics game, basically saying, if we play with low energy, there's, there's not a lot of teams that we can beat. Um, and the Knicks, I, I think they just, they ran out of verve. They were, they were riding that momentum for a quarter. Didn't have enough reinforcements. Tibbs was only playing an eight-man rotation. And I think this was just a case of a wary team uh, being being a little too worn out. And and it, it gives you some context on the difference between this team and, and last year's Knicks. Because last year's Knicks, you, you got to figure they would have found a way to make a game of this. Yeah. And, you know, that, that is like the difference between last year's Knicks and this year's Knicks is just... Last year's Knicks, the the one and only thing you could count on was that they would try for every minute of every game. And, you know, this one you can't even blame, like, the new, you know, the new faces, you know, for, like, dis- disrupting the culture or whatever. Like, oh, it's, it's on Kemba Walker or, you know, Evan Fournier. Like, they're not pulling their weight and that's making everybody not want to try as much or whatever. I mean, these were all the guys that played in this game uh, other than Quentin Grimes and, like, three minutes of garbage time with Deuce McBride. I, I I mean, pretty much all these guys were on the team last year. And so you expect more out of them. You know, you expect like, hey, you know, the gang's all here, guys. Like, what's happening? You know, I, I don't understand why, you know, this team now suddenly can't, you know, bring it at the same level for a full 48 minutes that they used to. But it's really frustrating. I will say one guy that definitely brought it for all of his time on the floor, and there was almost 37 minutes of it, though, was Emmanuel quickly, and we get to see the elusive quickly start, finally, which we've only been waiting on for, like, the entire season. Uh, and he certainly made the most of it. 18 points, 7 of 11 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3, uh, 4 assists also, so, you know, no slouch in the assist department. And I just, I loved his game. I thought that he was playing with confidence. Um, the way that he was confidently hitting shots, just, it, you know, that's 
a must for him. You know, it's an absolute must is that he has to be in rhythm and has to be feeling it. And right from the get-go in this game, he was feeling it, made his impact felt like in the first quarter. And that was really, that was the best next quarter that they had. I think it's no, no coincidence that it was because quickly, you know, really was sort of dictating the game in that quarter. Like he was, uh, he and RJ were the only two that were really shooting the ball super well uh, in the first quarter. RJ ends with 10 points on three of five shooting three of five from three quickly ends up with nine on three of four shooting three of three from three. I mean, those two were just like scorching the nets off. And, you know, I wish that that could have continued. Unfortunately, I think what sort of happened to the Knicks in this game was sort of similar to what happened to the Celtics in the previous game, except for the Celtics had managed to parlay it into a bigger lead in the previous game. But, you know, the Knicks start off nuclear from three and then regress back to the mean in the second half. And, you know, even when they were nuclear from three, they were still down two at the half. And so, of course, they came out, couldn't hit everything in the second half and suddenly get blown out. Meanwhile, the Celtics start off kind of cold and were still in it and even had a lead at half and then, you know, kind of lit up in the second half and just completely buried the Knicks. But quickly, I loved throughout this whole game, probably the only player on the Knicks that I could really say, I, I you know, I'm not going to take anything away from RJ's game, too. He, he he had kind of a rough game by the end of it as far as shooting the basketball. But like I didn't hate his game overall, but I, I think quickly was the one guy for sure that I could say that like from second one to the final second that he played, I, I thought that he was really bringing it in this game. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you on, on quickly. But to me, the first quarter was all about Julius Randle. Um, he came out with just such fantastic energy. Like, I, I think he got a rebound two minutes in and immediately pushed the ball up the quarters, reminiscent of, of the Brooklyn game about a month back. And I was, I mean, my first thought was, why, why can't we just get this guy every single night, right? But apparently that's not that's not plausible this year. Um, but it was it was a sight for sore eyes. It really, really reminded me of last year's Julius, and in particular, his connection with Reggie Bullock, where last year he just had this innate ability to, to pick out where Bullock was on the floor, um, almost like a sixth sense. Like he, he would just drive into double teams and, and somehow throw it like over his head, 22 feet away to the other side, and Bullock would be there waiting to hit a three. And, and tonight that was, or, or rather last night, that was, that was him and RJ. Um, over and over and over again in that first quarter, just Randall like driving into double teams, no look throwback um, to RJ for three and just playing bully ball, but doing so with like this great finesse and this great vision. Um, I love the little setup he had to IQ at one point where he he saw IQ back cutting around him um, on the left side of the, the three point line. And he just put it between his legs and then immediately pivoted into a screen for Jalen on Jalen Brown and quickly nailed that three. Like that's what Julius Randle is at his best, right? He, he's a hub where you can leverage the hot shooting of other players, and and that's that's what he brought in that first quarter. Um, I, I don't I don't really think he's playing better all year. I don't think he's played smarter all year, and unfortunately, that did not continue after quarter number one. Uh, maybe if he had gotten a built bar, Alex, he, he could have kept it up for all four quarters. You know, maybe that's the solution is some built bars, and it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes good and you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? 
Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. So, you know, boom, chocolate in your mouth. Built Bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. And they have a whopping 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. That's not even before we get into the fat in those bars. So definitely don't uh, don't go eat a candy bar. Go eat a built Bar. And here's an idea for your new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. So if you want to get some built Bars to fill up all those snack stashes, go to built.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, to continue on with our discussion of this stupid game, um, I've, I, I kind of want to talk about Mitchell Robinson real quick. I want to throw it to that. Um, I, actually, no, I'll give my counterpoint on Julius Randle real quick. Or It's not really a counterpoint. It's kind of just an agreement. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you said about Randall. I thought that he did have a really good first quarter. The way that you could tell a good Julius Randall quarter is that even if he's not shooting well, he's affecting the game in a good way. And that was what happened in the first quarter. Like he shot, he shot one of six, oh, two from three, only had two points. And yet you didn't find yourself like thinking, oh, well, Julius isn't scoring, so nothing's working right now. Like, I thought he was still playing gauge defense. He was especially looking to move the ball. Those four assists were a testament to that. I mean, I just thought that he was great in that quarter for that reason, and he just sort of lost that um, from there on out. And, you know, also the the turnovers, too, are just – I mean, I feel like they're so – such a huge problem at this point for the Knicks. It, it – you know, they only had six in the second half of this game. I guess that's not a small number, but like, you know, in, in the first half also they had six, like, so 12 in total isn't the worst ever, but I just, I don't know what it is. It feels like turnovers for the Knicks just come at the worst moments. And that combined with not being able to make a shot and like at times not being able to get a rebound has just been so bad for them this year. Like I, I'm, it just seems like every single time that there is a, a high leverage moment or, you know, something that they need to go their way. It just never does. And this game obviously was about more than just that because you don't end up scoring your lowest amount of points in four years since like the true dark ages, unless you really have an off shooting night and everything. But I don't know. I, it, you know, they, they just have gotten so bad with all the, the key, uh, key turnovers, offensive rebounds, whatever. It seems like anytime they really need something, they almost never get it at this point. Um, I do want to quickly riff on on Mitchell Robinson, though. So, like I said, you know, I just on the surface, we talked about this prior to the show. Like, if you were just looking at the box score after this game, eleven points, uh, eight rebounds, five five shooting, great, cool, a block, fun, awesome. Only one personal foul, but I almost wish he would have had like more personal fouls in this game. I almost wish that he would have involved himself more. Like, it just seemed like he was so out of the action to me, I guess is the way to put it. Like I just, I didn't, I, I can remember a million times in this game where like Robert Williams was a huge presence. And especially over these last two games where, I mean, I think he's had 11 blocks in the last two games between these two teams. Um, 
you know, he's, he's rebounding the ball like a madman. He's just doing a little bit of everything and, you know, shooting a high percentage, catching, you know, lobs at key backbreaking moments. And Mitch has just been kind of not doing any of that stuff. Like he's just kind of out of the action. Like, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it was just that it was such a stark contrast. These last two games of Williams versus Mitch. And that's always one of those players that like it gets used to get compared to Mitch. Like the, the trio for a while was Mitch, Robert Williams and Jared Allen. And, you know, a lot of Knicks fans, myself included, used to be like, Mitch easily has the highest ceiling of all these guys. Do you see how he's blocking threes? Do you see how he defends the perimeter? You know, like he's, he definitely has the highest ceiling. You know, he, he doesn't miss lobs ever, like whatever. And now the other two of those uh, just, I mean, they've gotten their contract extensions already. They look like they're worth every penny. And Mitch is kind of still in limbo, like not, quite sure how to impact a game on every single night and uh i don't know it's it's starting to get to the point where i'm starting to lose lose a little bit of confidence in in just where he might be going because games like this it's like when i see a game like this where he could put up decent stats but i i still walk out of the game thinking he didn't really do much i feel like that's not a great sign he just doesn't have that flash athleticism anymore right and that's that's what you see from robert williams like i think it might have been a block on quickly where like his head was at the rim pretty much and quickly just tried to lob it over him. And there was, there was no chance that it was going to happen. And that's, I, I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, that's what, that's what Mitch used to do. That's why, that's why we used to love Mitch. Right. And to your point, the blocks on the three point line, like, like that's what gave me this certainty that there was just this ceiling for Mitchell Robinson. I remember like, uh, as, as people, uh, uh, hate. Uh, I used to cover the the Nets for Locked On Nets, and I, I watched a young Jared Allen, and I would always debate it with, with my co-host at the time, Josh Bass, and I'd say, "Yeah, you know, Allen is like clearly so much more advanced. Like he has like great touch around the rim, and he's like this full repertoire of post moves. He's like a pretty decent mid range jump shot. But Mitch is just a different level of athlete, and once Mitch develops all that stuff, like he he just has a ceiling that Allen can't tap into. But it, it's sort of been two pronged with Mitch. Not only has he not developed that offensive game, but the at- athleticism that so defined him early in his career seems to have dissipated to some extent." even if it feels like it's coming back a little bit who knows maybe by the end of the year we have the old Mitchell Robinson and he's he's making Robert Williams type plays but I'm, I'm in total agreement with you it, like that that is what uh, like a freak of nature center is supposed to look like and Mitchell Robinson has been a, a tier below that so far this season um I, I quickly wanted to circle back to IQ because I, I didn't talk about him um initially but I, I'm with you I thought I thought he had a great game like I loved how aggressive he was early on seeking out threes and it, it just it, it sort of felt like like again, that Steph Curry thing where like anytime there's a scramble situation, you just want to get in the ball, whether it's some ducking behind Randall and, and getting Randall putting it between his legs, or or there was a deflection that went straight out to IQ and he hit the open three. But then from that point forward, it was just it was the full extent of his game, right? He he got a couple more deflections where he's been uh, a lot of people on Nick's Twitter have been uh chronicling this, but he, he's just been ridiculous on that using those that six nine wingspan on defense and, and then getting all the way to the rim, uh, getting, getting the mid range game going. Um, he, he had this really nice like snake dribble into like a, a mid range fadeaway. And it, it looked like something that RJ would do, like, especially last year. Um, first play of the game when, when Randall threw it ahead to him and he, he ducked the double team to pass it to Mitch. That was just, really nice awareness, a, a dribble handoff from Julius Randle into a mid-range game. 
all of this is to say like the diversity of his scoring is what's so exciting to me. And that's where you ultimately want IQ to end up someone who can impact a game on a night to night basis, even when his three pointer isn't falling. And I really like this quote from Tibbs after the game. He said on Emmanuel quickly, I want him to take control in the second half. And I think he will. He's done a good job for us. Alex, to me, that that's indicative that Tibbs is sort of seeing the same thing that we're seeing, that this is a guy who, after going through a long shooting slump, is making a step forward. And now that the three-pointer is back as well, the, the full extent of his game is coming together. And it's someone who, who can really impact close games against good teams, which is obviously something the Knicks desperately need. Yeah, I, I'm in full agreement there. I mean, I hope that if nothing else, even if he doesn't end up starting, like we were, we were talking prior to the show about like, because I said, you know, maybe this, maybe now quickly could finally just start, even once like Fournier's back. And you're like, oh, once Kemba's back too. And I was like, oh, well, maybe. I don't know. I, I guess I don't really care about that so much, but I do hope that quickly starts being relied upon as a, as a late game closer type of player. Cause I, I do think that he's got that in him. And I think that this game illustrated, you know, there should be no reservations about playing him with the starters anymore. Like, I think that he can bring out the best in Julius Randle, he can bring out the best in RJ Barrett. Like, why try to keep them separated, you know, just for virtue of like, well, we need what quickly brings off the bench. It's like, all right, we'll bring that with Alec Burks instead, because I think that quickly is a much better fit, you know, in the in the starting lineup than Alec Burks as far as getting, you know, Julius and RJ involved. So maybe do that and, you know, maybe even keep him in there for Evan Fournier and move Fournier to the bench, which we've talked about already. But um yeah, it, it still feels a little weird to say that about Fournier, given the game that he had <laughs> in the, the last Celtics game, but is what it is. At any rate, Gavin, I think what we're really saying here is that we're betting on Emmanuel quickly. And if anybody else wants to bet on Emmanuel quickly, where should they head to do that? Well, there's only one spot, Alex, and they are a sponsor of this podcast. It is betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish all of you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And this is where the podcast ends, but not, not the very end. We still have one more segment to go. Alex, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Where, where do you want to tip off this, uh, this third and final segment? I mean, why don't we just advance it beyond the, beyond this game? Cause I'm, I'm tired of talking about this game. How many times have I said that this year? <laughs> That's <laughs> too, too many. many, too many. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we were trying to think of other things to talk about prior to the show, you had said, you know, why don't we look at the schedule? It is an intriguing schedule coming up here. So this is going to be kind of a make or break time for the Knicks here. Uh, the next seven games, I think, are going to be. And I mean, I keep saying this about various stretches of the schedule of, oh, this this stretch schedule is going to be really important to them. And so is that one and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're currently almost at the end of the stretch where things were supposed to sort of figure themselves out um, as far as like, oh, what kind of team are the Knicks going to be? Can they get out of this next like 18 games with a, a good record or not? And they didn't. Um, <laughs> they're two games under 500. Uh, the next game will be the exact halfway mark of the season. 
And when they hit that mark, uh, they're no matter what going to be under 500. They can be at best 20 and 21 uh, at the halfway point of the season. Does not bode super well for the second half here. So, I mean, I think this next stretch, we're really going to need to see what they're made of because if they can't string some wins together, things are going to get much harder before they get easier because uh, their their ending schedule this year is is ridiculous. Um, their next seven games, the Knicks are facing. They First off, six of their seven games are at home, which for most teams is a blessing. For the Knicks, maybe is a curse, though they've been playing a little bit better at home lately. We're going to obviously see how things go at the Garden uh, tonight when people are listening, Monday night, uh, as far as how they're going to be received after Randall's, uh, you know, F you or shut the F up to the fans and then, uh, you know, the apology and all that stuff. I think most people didn't really care too much, but, you know, a certain segment of people might, you might hear a couple sporadic boos in there or something. Uh, But at any rate, they have the Spurs, then the Mavericks at home, then the Hawks on the road, the Hornets at home, T-Wolves at home, Pelicans at home, and Clippers at home. On the surface, it seems like, okay, you know, some somewhat winnable games here. Like the Mavericks are the only one that stand out here as like a true good, good team. Um, But some of these other teams are a little hot at the moment, like... Uh, the Spurs, not so hot. So like they should win that game. The Spurs are almost 10 games under 500. Um, but like the Timberwolves, for example, a little bit later on the schedule have won four straight games right now. They're looking pretty potent. Um, the Clippers have stayed dangerous. They're still around 500 despite all the the injuries and being without Kawhi Leonard and everything else they've gone through this year. Uh, the Hawks are maybe in as dire streets as the Knicks right now. Uh, if not more so, I would say they've been a bigger disappointment so far this year, given that some people were ready to make them finals contenders or something. Um, and they're currently two games behind the Knicks right now, or one and a half at the moment. So that's going to be like a key game again to just kind of see where the Knicks are at versus the Hawks, I guess. Although it's seeming increasingly less likely that that's anything you have to worry about as far as a playoff matchup this year. So there's going to be no rematch there, I don't think. Uh, the Hornets are really dangerous. They have a, a really fun young core, two games over 500 right now. So sort of the the inverse of the Knicks at the moment. Um, Gavin, I don't know. Are there any games that really stand out to you on the schedule there? Or do you think that this this upcoming stretch is just going to kind of serve as like a, a measuring stick? The, the latest measuring stick in a long line of measuring sticks that the Knicks have not measured up to so far this year. Yeah, that's that's a good way of framing it. Um, I, yeah, I think I think it's more about the Knicks than than, than the opponents, right? Like I, I just there, there's a lot of things all coming to uh, fruition, for lack of a better term. Uh, will Julius Randle discover any kind of consistency this year? Even even if that's a step below what he had last year, can we can we get pretty good for the rest of the season, like seven out of ten from Julius for the rest of the year? I think now is sort of the time. To answer that, um, is R.J. Barrett who he was to begin this season for most of last season or the guy he's been for the majority of the last 20 games before the last four games? Uh, That, I think, will be answered because he's seemingly finally healthy, right? Uh, Can Emmanuel quickly do what he's doing now for long stretches? Obi Toppin, uh, we were going to talk about him a little bit. 37 minutes over his last three games, a total of two points following that uh, career-high 19-point effort against the Toronto Raptors. Um, if the Knicks are set on just burying him, and it, it feels like they are right now, is he someone who could potentially get dealt just because he doesn't have that big of a role on the team right now, despite making pretty significant strides? 
Uh, can Evan Fournier build off that Celtics game or can he only do it against the Celtics? Can Kemba Walker continue the run he was going on after coming off the bench? I feel like all these, all these questions are, it, it feels, I mean, to your point, like, like we've been asking those things all year, but now that everyone is sort of finally healthy, like both for the Knicks and these other teams, it feels like, I, I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but it feels like Omicron has, has swept through most of the NBA. Most of these guys will, will be immune and be good for a little, the time being, at least we, we, we hope or fingers are crossed. What, what is this team? I think we're finally going to get our answer. And to your point, this is a stretch where if they have any aspirations this year, even if those aspirations are just losing a five game series in the first round, like this is, you got to go five and two here, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think if they want to say that they're at all serious right now, I mean, they have to beat the Spurs, have to beat the Hawks, have to beat the Pelicans. That's three, three musts for sure. And then I think you got to at least come out, yeah, like 500 against the other four. So you got to come out 500 against the Mavericks, Hornets, T-Wolves, and Clippers. And, like, the T-Wolves and Clippers and Hornets aren't really world beaters, but, like, the T-Wolves have been playing a lot better of late. Um, like I said, the Clippers are just always uh, always scrappy and always find ways to win games even without some of their best players. Um, the Hornets, I mean – are just, I think, just like built to beat the Knicks. So that's going to be a really tough matchup because they just run and run and run and they are just exciting and fun and the Knicks are slow and boring <laughs> most of the time the way that they like to play. And so I, I think that the Hornets are going to be a really tough matchup. And then obviously the Mavericks are the Mavericks. I mean, if they start getting a semblance of health and, you know, they're they're an actual real Western Conference playoff team. Um so they, they will probably smack down the Knicks if if things go the way that it should. That said, I mean, we've seen the Knicks versus Mavericks before. Those games, weirdly, it's like they exist on a different plane of existence. So maybe the Knicks find a way to beat the Mavericks in that game. I, I don't know for sure. But yeah, I think they got to come out five and two over these next seven. If they, if they get out of this, say, three and four or something like that, that's then going to put them... Uh, a solid three games below 500, uh, if I'm not mistaken, then, you know, three games below 500 at this point in the season, I'm starting to think about selling things off. You know, I'm starting to think, okay, what team would be interested in Alec Burks? Like, and the answer is probably a bunch. I mean, Alec Burks traditionally has been an extremely tradable player in his career. So he's he's been traded for, you know, first round picks or a pair of second round picks like, Prior to coming to the Knicks, I think he had been traded for one of those two packages like three times in three consecutive years of trade deadlines. So start looking for who might be interested in some in some Alec Burks magic off the bench soon. Uh, look for if someone maybe wants to take Kemba Walker, which, you know, would just bring us to the sad end of his uh, of his saga in New York, you know, his homecoming and whatever. But start looking for takers there because I think that some team – will have seen what he did, you know, after coming back and getting back in the rotation and say, you know what, even off the bench for 20 minutes, this is something we're interested in uh, as a team that really has something to play for. So maybe see if you can fetch a couple second rounders or an interesting prospect or something for him. Evan Fournier, shop him around, see what you can, you know, what kind of offers you can gather. You know, I, I think that I would try to guard the young players as much as I could, but you know, any of the veterans, if if you don't get out of this next seven game stretch, I think this is finally the stretch where I can confidently say, like, if things aren't looking good by the end of this stretch, no matter what, 
you know, I don't care if the Knicks win that last game by, you know, that last game of the seven game stretch by, you know, 35 points, like, but there's still three games under 500. This team has just shown us to this point of this year that they don't have it in them to be consistent and they don't have it in them to put together a run at all because every time that they get a two or three game win streak together, they just completely fall apart and usually fall apart for an equal number of games, if not more so right after that. So yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at with this upcoming stretch. I think this is finally the one, you know, I I thought that it was going to be the stretch that ends with the Spurs game here, that this was supposed to be an easy stretch. And yet here we are, the Knicks are probably going to, you know, even if they win, they're still coming out of the first half of the season under 500, which I think we sort of have agreed upon a number of times throughout this season can't happen. And so if they come out of this next, you know, start of the second half stretch, also still a few games under 500 and can't start getting it together. I think I'm ready to throw the towel in for this year and basically just say, let's make this a development second half of the year. And, and, you know, maybe not necessarily throw in the towel, but at least just commit like, all right, RJ Barrett's going to get his time quickly. going to get his time. Obi Toppin's going to get his time et cetera, et cetera, and, and call it a day. Yeah, I've always – maybe this goes beyond basketball, but I've always kind of felt even if it's bad news, there, there's peace in having clarity because then you you know how to move forward. And I think I think that is that is what I'm looking for out of this seven-game stretch because the Knicks have had – they've had moments that have made you believe this year, right? Like, I mean, Kemba, like, dropping – even though this was in a loss, ironically, like Kemba dropping the 40-point uh, near triple-double. Uh, Fournier's last game, RJ's shot. Uh, maybe maybe it's a bad sign that I'm only referencing two games. But, but Randall's, Randall's had moments. I, IQ has had moments. Obi's had moments, right? And and you, you there's this sense that if all those things come to fruition at the same time, like that there's still something here. And there was a reason we had real expectations for this team. And, and on some level, I still believe that. I think on a deeper level, like through 40 odd, some odd games, like you kind of, you kind of know who a team is. And like when a team keeps telling you who they are at a certain point, you should, you should just believe them. So I'm, I, I kind of think that the Knicks are going to go like three and four or two and five in this stretch and maybe like lose some close games in some frustrating ways. And ultimately we're going to be like, all right, they, like this team just isn't it. They, they, they don't have whatever we were looking for this year, but they're, there's been some magic there. There's a reason that we're still holding on to a sliver of hope that if, if everything just sinks up, it can go well. And and honestly, like it's sort of like it feels weird to say this, but it's sort of on Tibbs to some extent. Like he he's been looking all year for the right combinations, and it hasn't entirely been his fault because it's been a combination of poor play by a number of guys. COVID striking. I mean, RJ having this mysterious illness, Derek Rose, arguably the Knicks best player getting hurt and missing the majority of the season. Like, like a lot, a lot has gone wrong. And I, I, I give Tibbs a pass to some extent for that. But if you're, if you're, again, if you're the, the coach of the year, this is where you figure it out and show, and this is where you play all the right notes and, and, and you put this thing together. So I, I think on so many different levels, this is, this is make or break for the New York Knicks. And I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes, Alex. Yeah, well, and you know, ultimately it's it's make or break for Tibbs and it's make or break for the players too because this is their opportunity to finally show like, do you guys have it in you to replicate what you did last year? Because they were in a similar in a similar spot last year as far as, I, except for I think they were 20 and 20 through 40 games last year, but, you know, within one game and they were kind of up and down, but the, the common denominator, like we said earlier in the show, was just that they tried every game, you know, and they were losing a lot of close games and a lot of games that, you know, they didn't have any business being in on the surface, but, you know, they, they just kind of persevered and, and won them. And this year it just kind of feels like a lot of times they either win in spite of themselves 
or, you know, they really bring it for one game and then they just completely don't for the next. And that's where things got to change. So different from last year where it was kind of just like, oh, they just need a few, a few, you know, balls to go their way or, you know, whatever. And then they'll suddenly be, you know, looking a lot better because they try all the time and it's just bound to happen for them this year. It's like, we've seen that they have the talent to win. And to your point, you know, there's been flashes where you're like, this team could be great. Like not just good, like great. And yet they just can't find it because they just can't seem to mesh together. um, And they can't seem to bring it consistently. So that's the swing factor this year, more so than just some bounces going their way or some luck. And it's up to them to decide if they want to, if they want to do that or not. Uh, At any rate, It'll be interesting to watch starting tonight at San Antonio or sorry versus San Antonio at home. So this key seven game stretch getting started up. We'll be here with game recaps for you guys uh, for all the games this week, as well as some fun other shows that we haven't really cooked up yet, but we'll think of something. Uh, but until next time, thank you all for listening. This has been Locked On Knicks. We will talk to you guys tomorrow for a recap of the Spurs game. Until then, peace out. Talk to you all soon.